Hey everyone, we have some announcements for you this morning before we get into our sermon. Uh, we want to let you know that we are keeping an eye on all that's going on and monitoring, monitoring all these situations very closely. And we're doing the best we can to inform you of what Beaches Chapel is doing during this whole season that we're in. Uh, we want to let you know that uh, we will be Closing, continuing closing the campus this week, so all church activities that normally happen on campus will be shut down. However, there are things that you can do to participate in ministry. Jason Trent, our youth ministry director, is putting up videos for our youth to do studies on. Uh, you can check that out on our youth Instagram page. So make sure to follow that. Also, Rachel Brum, our children's ministry director, she is posting uh, lessons that you can do with your children in your house to have children's church Parents teaching their kids about Jesus right in your home. You can go to our website, beacheschapel.com, and check that out today. It's going to be on our website right now. So go check that out, all you parents with little kids. Don't let them suffer as well. We want to make sure they're learning about Jesus during this time. And what better way to do that than from their parents? If you are not following us on all the social platforms, please do so, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those things. And please, 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 if you haven't downloaded our church app, you need to do that. That's the best way to stay in touch with all that's going on here. We're doing daily devotionals Monday through Friday, just little words of encouragement to help you through the day. Those are on our app. Those are on the website. Those are on Facebook and Instagram. So we're, we're, we're out there. We're doing stuff. We just need you to follow and, and keep abreast of all that's going on. Also, we want to remind you that you can give through our website, beacheschapel.com. Just click on giving and you can tithe that way along with our church app. You can give that way as well. We also, for those that still don't you know, know exactly how to give online, you can write a check or give a cash offering. And we have a black secured locked mailbox right outside our church office door. You can drive up anytime between nine and two o'clock and drop your tithe in there. And we will make sure at two o'clock to empty that. The checks and the cash do not stay in there overnight. It's a locked mailbox and we can get it that way. But we do want to remind you, listen, we have bills to pay and things going on. Don't forget to tithe during this time. It's probably more important now than ever. So um, that's really it for our morning announcements. If you have any questions or anything that's going on, feel free to call the church office um, and we will, we will get back to you as soon as humanly possible. I want to dive right into the word this morning. I'm excited about what God wants to share with us this morning. I think it's, it's a, just a great word for what we're going through right now. And um, what we're talking about this morning is out of Mark chapter 9. And it's a story that I think that really at the, at, at, when we get to the end of the story, we can all really relate to. But I want to kind of walk us through the whole thing and then we're going to go back and kind of dissect it bit by bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to start in Mark chapter 9 verse 14. So if you have a Bible, if you have your, your phone or uh, your, you know, the Bible on your phone, let's, let's get those out, right? And turn to Mark chapter 9 right now, starting in verse 14. It says, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, talking about Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them, them being his disciples. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they could cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, 
Immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So this boy starts foaming at the mouth and convulsing at the feet of Jesus. Verse 21, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and to enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead. So that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him, meaning the boy, by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So here's this story of this man with this son who's got a demon inside of him. And Jesus interacts with the father, with the son, with the demon, and even with the scribes and the Pharisees. There's a lot going on in this story, and I want to just go back and highlight a couple things, some, some, some crucial points that we need to understand as we are living, not just in this season, but in our whole life. And so what I first want to do is go back and look at verse 18. And it says, so I spoke to your disciples. This is the father of the son talking. He says, I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And it's interesting what's going on here because what we see earlier in the story is that the scribes, these Pharisees, are disputing with the disciples. And what that tells me is that the scribes and the Pharisees also could not cast out this demon because if they could, believe me, they would have done it. All the Pharisees wanted to do was to show off their authority to all the crowd. And this would have been a great opportunity to do that. But instead, they are disputing with the disciples, which again tells me that they couldn't do it. But we, what we also read here is the disciples couldn't either. So let's put ourselves in, in the shoes of this father. Okay, he has this son who is demon-possessed. And as we read already, from childhood. And he goes to the, the disciples. Surely the disciples can do something and they can't. I, I'm willing to bet, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I, I really believe that this father out of des desperation has probably tried all sorts of people, including the scribes, and the Pharisees. So what we see here is a father who is out of options. All right, he is faced with an impossible task because up to this point, everything that he has tried has failed. He is in a desperate situation and nothing has worked. No one can help him. And what we need to understand about this father, the one mistake that he's made and the mistake that we make all the time is that he has asked everybody else first before going to Jesus. So he's tried this and he's tried that and he's asked this person and that person and they've all said, I can't do it before he goes to Jesus. And how many of us can relate to just that part of the story alone where we try every single thing and none of it works. And then we say, oh right, maybe I should try Jesus. Can you relate to that? Because I know I can. I know I can. And that is what this father has done. He's asked the disciples, can't do it. Gone to all these other people, 
can't do it. I, I believe that this father truly loves his son. And if this son has been suffering this from childhood, then chances are he has done every single thing that he can. And now we meet him at his breaking point where there's no other options. And so here we are. Let's pick it up now. Let's go to verse, uh, I believe it's verse 17. Uh, this is one of the crowd answers. Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Something that we need to understand about what this means, a mute spirit. See, back in those days, they believed that if you, if the demon didn't have a name, they couldn't cast it out. Like the demon or the enemy, whatever it was, had to have a name that they could call to and say, you have to come out. But because this demon was a mute demon, a mute spirit, they weren't able to call to it and cast it out. And you know, a lot of times we walk around with all sorts of issues. And you know, maybe you've even said that before, you know, I'm feeling a certain way, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is. I can't quite put my finger on what is wrong. And those times can be almost the most aggravating because we just don't know what it's called. We don't, we don't have a name for the enemy that we're facing. We don't have a name for how we're feeling, but we feel it. And so because we don't have a name, we can't quite put our finger on it. We don't really know how to combat it. But here's, what, here's where the error in that is. We're focusing on, on the wrong name. Well, let's go back into the Old Testament and consider when God is talking to Moses about going into Egypt and facing Pharaoh and, and telling Pharaoh, you need to let my people go. These Israelites, it's time for them to be, to be free. God is charging Moses with this, with this task. And Moses said, says something to him that's very profound. He says, God, what am I even supposed to call you? Whose name am I supposed to give and whose authority? And God gives him the most baller answer ever. He says, tell them that I am sent you. And so when we're facing a fear, when we're facing an enemy that we can't put our finger on what to call it, it really doesn't matter because that's the wrong name that we're focusing on. The name that we should be focusing on is I am. It's on Jesus, the name that is above all names, because that is, the, that is the name that can move mountains. So instead of worrying about what to call this demon, this mute spirit, these, these, these fears that we're facing, instead, why don't we focus on the name that we do know, the name of Jesus, the name that by every, every enemy will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That is the name that we need to be considering during this time not focusing on all this other stuff. Jesus is the name that should be on our tongues all the time. And what we're gonna see here in this story is how effective Jesus is against the enemy. Let's continue to read here. Verse 20 says, then they brought him and when he saw him, immediately, immediately, the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. So they bring this boy to Jesus. And immediately, immediately, the boy falls on the ground because the spirit starts convulsing at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because the enemy knows the authority of Jesus. And you know what's sad? A lot of times the enemy knows the authority of Jesus faster than we do. We go and we try this person and that person and this thing and that thing. And then, oh yeah, now I'll try Jesus. When the authority immediately 
immediately recognizes the power of Jesus over them. Let's not let that point be lost, church. The enemy knows that Jesus has authority over it. I'm going to say that again because we need to know that right now. The enemy knows that Jesus has authority over it. We need to know that too. So this boy is brought right before Jesus and he's at Jesus's feet and he's convulsing and he's foaming at the mouth at the foot of Jesus. And this is where the story really gets interesting because we need to understand Jesus's reaction to this. And it's probably a lot different than what we would think would happen. It's probably a lot different than what this dad was hoping for. It's probably a lot different than what we are hoping for right now. But Jesus has a point in all this. So, let, so let's keep reading in verse 22. What, what Jesus does here before we get to the verse is he starts talking to the dad. He says, how long has this been happening? The father says, since childhood and no one can, no, no one can do anything. And this is, this is where it picks up in that conversation. But if, this is the father talking to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So what Jesus is doing, he's turning this conversation on its head because the dad says, if you can do it, if you can do it. She says, no, 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 no. It's not about if I can do it. Let's just, let's just get word of that word if in regards to what I can do altogether. Because there is no if in regards to what I can do. The answer is always, yes, I can do it. But what Jesus is doing, again, keep in mind, with the boy at his feet, he's looking at the dad and he's saying, it's not about if I can do it. It's about if you believe that I can do it. You're looking at me, I'm looking right back at you. And what we need to understand here, the scene that's going on is so amazing. Because what we do when we go to Jesus, we are so fixed on the problem. Our eyes are all about this boy at his feet. Our eyes are all about what's going on in the world around us. It's all about this fear that we have, this enemy that we are facing. But for Jesus, all those things that we're concerned with are in his peripheral. His focus is our heart. His focus is what's going on with us. And so we're, we're so obsessed. We're so tunnel vision. We have blinders onto what is going on right now in front of me. Those things are at Jesus's feet. He's, looking, he's not even looking down. He's looking at us. He's looking at us in the eye. He's looking at us in the heart. He's saying, this is a heart issue. I got all that other stuff. Don't worry about all that other stuff. I want to fix your heart. Because when he fixes our heart, all that other stuff goes away. He said, all right, good. So he looks at this dad who's saying, if you can do it, Jesus, you say, no, no, no. It's not about if I can do it. It's about if you believe. And here's where it gets so true and so real. Verse 24, the father at his breaking point. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Can we just again picture this dad who has this demon-possessed boy since childhood and no one has been able to help him. They don't even have a name for what is going on in this boy's body. And Jesus is looking at him with the boy at his feet, convulsing, foaming at the mouth. And he's saying, no, dad, do you believe? And this dad at his breaking point, it says that he cries out with tears flowing down his face. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I am not sure 
that there is a more relatable verse in the entire Bible than, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief right now for many of us. I think there's several, several of us that have our prayer time in the morning or that, that hear devotionals or, or, listen, or listening to worship and we get caught up in the belief and then the next thing we know, we're filled with unbelief. We're saying, God, I, I, see these, I see these promises in your word and I believe them, but I'm fighting all sorts of doubt right now. And what Jesus is asking you is, do you believe? The things that you're struggling with are at my feet. I'm looking at you. Do you believe? And if we can answer, Lord, I believe, he will see us through. He will see us through. You know, I don't think there's anything harder for a parent than seeing their kids in pain and not being able to do anything about it, having this helpless feeling. And that's where this dad's at. And we see him at his breaking point. And it's hard to not be in control. And for a lot of us, I think what we're dealing with more than anything is a loss of control. Every day's different. Every day's changing. And it's hard right now. And it's easy to fall into that trap of unbelief. But what we need to understand is all those things that we're in doubt about, they're sitting at Jesus' feet. They're sitting right at his feet. And what he is doing in this time, he's not looking at his feet. He's looking at us. And he's saying, I know you might feel like you're not in control, but guess what? I am. I am in control. So all you need to worry about is looking at me, saying my name, saying the name of Jesus, saying I am, and stop trying to name the thing that is currently at my feet. Can we do that, church? Because as the story goes on, what we see here is Jesus saying, all right, time to get out, enemy. Time to get out. And what does the enemy do? It gets out. And the boy is made whole again because the enemy understands that they sit at the foot of Jesus under his authority because the enemy's name doesn't matter. The only name that matters is Jesus. And when we begin to introduce Jesus onto the scene over and over, no, things might not change tomorrow, but you know what does our heart, our heart and our perspective and our hope in him? And all of a sudden, those things that we were obsessed with are now just sitting at Jesus's feet and we're looking at him and he sees us through. The story doesn't end there though. In verse 28, it says, when he had come, meaning Jesus, uh, into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Listen, Beaches Chapel, we are a church that prays. We are a church that believes in prayer. And no, we cannot have an altar call this morning in the sanctuary like we do most Sundays. But you know what we can do? We can pray in our homes right now. Our homes are our sanctuary today and every day going forward. And if we combat this whole thing with prayer, it will bow to the name of Jesus, just like this mute spirit does in this story. I really believe more than, more than this virus that we're facing, we're really facing a virus of fear. And I'm not saying that to trivialize what is going on in the world and these people that are battling this sickness, because there are a lot that are doing that. We need to be praying for those people like crazy. But there's a lot of us who aren't sick and who are still freaking out. This virus of fear has infected way more people than the virus itself has. 
And what we need to do is start praying and lifting up the name of Jesus and battling that fear so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus and minister to those around us. Beaches Chapel is all about reach, teach, and send. We're, we're trying to reach people for Jesus. And I believe this time that we are in right now is a great time of harvest. I believe that once this is all said and done, the church doors of Beaches Chapel and every other church in our community and around the world is going to be flooded with people because of how the body of Christ acts right now. But it is a vital time. And we need to understand that when we introduce Jesus onto the scene, we no longer say, Lord, help my unbelief. All we're saying is, Lord, I believe. Because Jesus is on the scene and it's his name that we're focused on. But we gotta do it. We gotta be the church more than just on Sundays. We gotta be the hands and the feet of Jesus every day. We gotta reach out to our community. We gotta ask people how they're doing. We gotta pray for them, whether it's over the phone or through text or whom, however you decide to do it. But we gotta be those people that bring Jesus onto the scene so that we can fill people with hope and get rid of the fear. That's why the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Because when we focus on Jesus, fear is no more. So can we do that, church? Can we do that? Matthew 18, verse 20 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am with them. That's gonna be what church looks like for a little while. Two or three, that's all we need. Two or three, if you live alone, call someone up. There's your second. Call up a third, there's your third. But our homes are our sanctuaries going forward. Let's act like it. Let's act like it. Let's, let's lift up the name of Jesus every single day. I actually have some homework assignments for y'all to do as soon as we end this morning. The band's gonna close us with uh, another song. But as soon as that is over, this is what I want you to do. And I mean this, take this seriously. When we log off today, I want you to stand up in your home with whomever you're with in that place. And I want you to pray. If you feel comfortable, if your hands are clean, hold hands. And I want everybody in that room to pray out loud. You might say, I don't feel comfortable praying. Well, you know what? We're all getting a little uncomfortable right now. I think this is what part of this is all about, is getting uncomfortable with where we've been. So don't use that excuse. I'm serious. The time for saying I'm uncomfortable doing that is over when it comes to growing in Jesus. Let's take those steps. So in wherever you're at right now, as soon as we log off, I want you to stand up and I want you to pray. Pray for this virus. Pray for people around you. Pray for your loved ones. If there are people that you know that specifically need prayer, pray for them. But Beaches Chapel, let's be a praying church. Let's reach out to those that we can. Let's send the love of Jesus to those that we can. Let's teach people about Jesus and the hope that is in him. We do that through prayer. That is how we are gonna combat this. And this is the other thing I want you to do. After you're done praying, don't sit down, but take your Bible. If you, if you have a hard copy Bible, take your Bible. And if you don't have a hard copy Bible, get on your computer, get on your phone. There's, there's, listen, there's all sorts of ways we can read scripture. And I want you to turn to Psalms 91. And I want you to read that chapter out loud over your home, over your loved ones. And I want you to read it like you mean it. Don't read it like some high schooler reading his chemistry textbook. Read it like it is the word of God that stands true and stands firm through every season and every situation and claim it. And when you're done, I want you to take your Bible and keep it out. Keep it on your coffee table. Keep it on your kitchen table, somewhere where it is, it is physically seen throughout the day. 
And when those, those situations, those, little, those, those feelings of unbelief start to come in, go back. Go back and read Psalms 91. Go back and read something else. Find some, go on Google and find some uh, promises that you can say over and over in your household, over your loved ones. But listen, we're mobilizing the church. God is getting us out of our comfort zones. We are not, the, listen, the church does not consist of the pastors. We are a body. We are a family and we are going to do this together. We are going to walk and we are going to get rid of our unbelief because over and over again, day after day, we are going to introduce Jesus onto the scene, into our homes, and our homes are going to be our sanctuary. And no longer will we say, Father, help my unbelief. We're just going to say, Jesus, you're on the scene, so I believe. I don't care what the name of the enemy is. All I care about is the name of Jesus because it's in your name that holds all authority and all power over everything. Amen. Y'all be blessed. And again, after this song is done, stand up and pray like you mean it. And then read Psalms 91. Thanks. Be blessed.